Father Dave, welcome back to Locust and Wild Honey one more time. Oh, Rich Costa, a.k.a. Locust and Wild Honey. <laughs> so we had some, some listener reaction to last week. And um, <laughs> one of the things that I said was that we were about the halfway point of Lent. And that was last week, and, and this week is Palm Sunday. So I was clearly really not looking at a calendar. But part of that... <laughs> and I let you get away with that, too. Yeah. Part of that was because the, um, the month of, of March has been foreverly going on. I just made up that word, foreverly. Foreverly. Yes. We're about March 83rd right now, the day we're recording this. It just it won't end. And I think I got a little confused on how Wait, long. what did you just say? March it's March 83rd. March today. 83rd. Yeah. <laughs> That's what it feels like. It just won't go away. But then, like, like when I when I take a deeper look, I'm like, oh my gosh! But last year at this point, I was celebrating all of these uh, these masses by myself or with you. Mm-hmm. It's like it's nice to be with people again. It really is. And and uh, ironically, what are we doing now? Doing something together <laughs> by ourselves. Yep. <laughs> you just can't get enough of me. So the the other thing people were responding to was asking you please never give a, a review of Crayola crayon colors <laughs> oh my gosh I I was I was listening to myself because we we oftentimes will have a, a, a game plan of what we're gonna say and but other times as you can probably easily tell it's just very spontaneous and um, you were doing the thing about the colors and I was actually pretending I was interested. <laughs> and and I was listening to it thinking, my God, this is like the worst thing we've ever done. Well, listen, you were that guy that I envied when I was in high school. Well, Why is not, that? Not high school. High, not high school. Elementary school. Why is that? Because you were that guy who probably had like the Crayola box set of 64 with the... With the oh, the, pen, with the, the sharpener with in the, the back? sharpener in the back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, all these different varieties. And I was stuck with the pack of eight. So... <laughs> <laughs> Isn't it amazing? I, I start this little segment by talking about things we shouldn't talk about, and you delve further into the Crayola conversation. It's a thing that I'm working through. My Lord. <laughs> hey, so, well, listen, did you see the thing that happened last week? No. Because uh, I don't know what thing you're talking about. <laughs> Actually, I may have seen it. I really have no idea. I saw a lot of different things. <laughs> well, I, I, I don't even know if it was this. I think it was last week. Mm-hmm. Poor uh, Marvin Hagler. Uh, marvelous Marvin Hagler. Marvelous Marvin. I feel like he wasn't very old. I think it was middleweight. Was it middleweight? I think or a middleweight. Yep. It was middleweight. I, well, uh, I, you know, I, I'm not a huge um, a boxing fan. It's not that I don't like it. I, I can't say I know that much about it. But he was as tough as nails, that yeah. guy. Yeah. Um, and so part of uh, I, I had come across him uh, back when we had the seventh month, you know, block mm-hmm. of isolation. I started just watching on youtube all of the uh the the greatest boxers of all time on youtube and i first started with going back to my childhood when i got the opportunity to watch uh the tyson holyfield fights that was the end really mm-hmm. of the the great boxing of the great boxing era i i do re- i do remember those that, and i think that was when tyson was perhaps on his way down 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Holyfield was Holyfield was getting up there too. He was probably around forty at that point. Yeah, but boy, he was a tough guy. They both were. Oh, they really were. And and those fights were like hyped up because that should have happened probably about yep. five years earlier. Tyson was in prison. They lost a lot of time. Yeah, yeah. and then like then you you know how one thing leads to another. Like it happens in all the sports. Who's mm-hmm. the greatest of all yep, time? Yep, Who's yep. the goat? And so you know everybody for all those years saying that Tyson would wipe the floor with all these people. So then I started watching all of the all of the bo- all of the boxing from yeah. the, the real the, the the golden era this the the sixty seven sure and so 80s. Ali Frazier Holmes um, yeah yeah uh, Foreman Foreman uh, and some of I mean these guys just blew each other up yeah it's a, it's a, it's amazing That's I think they were fifteen rounds right the heavyweights at the time back then and they they yeah. they since they have since reduced it. Right, yeah, and and I think I think really the only thing back then was like if you got knocked down three times in a in a round, yeah, they would call it, yeah. Uh, but those guys never went down. No, they just kept fighting and fighting and fighting, and and as much as um, you know, I I uh, everybody kept saying then as I kept watching that uh, uh, Muhammad Ali was is probably the greatest of mm-hmm. all time. Yeah, and. You watch those fights, and one of the, uh, I, I mean, they all, all of them were amazing athletes. They had great endurance. I mean, Hagler and Barnes used to just mm-hmm. kill each other in the ring. and But then watching Frazier and Ali go, um, mm-hmm. and Foreman and Ali, and you watch Ali, and he was just so smart. Oh, absolutely. He fought. Yeah, yeah. You know? His strategy and the he used to call it the rope a dope, where he would yeah. go up against the rope and and let the other guy um, lose all his energy. Yeah, I didn't really know totally what it what that reference was mm-hmm. uh, until I watched all of those uh, all of those matches. Yeah, uh, over the quarantine, and I had a newfound respect for Ali because he was just amazing. Yeah. Um, and those, if I remember correctly, during the 70s, I, w- I would watch those with my father, um, and they would be like on the wild, wor- wild world of sports, of sports, you know, and just, yeah. you know, wasn't pay-per-view, but they were still huge events. Oh, you know, my goodness. Yeah. They, were, they were tremendous, but you would, you could, they, were, they were much more accessible. Yeah, and um, yeah, now it's, it's you got to get the pay-per-view right, yeah. or the, you know, and it's, uh, but watching them was, I mean, just how lightning fast they were, yeah. the, the, uh, the amount of uh, work yeah. that they had to put in for the the stamina that they yeah. had, uh, and and just the beatings they were able to take yep. in the rings. I I do find it fascinating now that you're bringing it up because of the the social ramifications that go into are always associated with boxing. Certainly, even back into 30s and 40s, and a lot of the early matches were were very racially motivated on the person who was being rooted for. And so society kind of grew from that a little bit. But even with with Ali and Frazier, they even though they were both black, there was some some sides being taken there too. So they've always yeah. kind of reflected a little bit of where we are in our uh, tumultuous society and how we think about things. I do find the sport amazing because because you know, like if you put me in a batter's box, right? I'm probably going to strike out. I'm not going to die though. <laughs> you know? <laughs> And and you think if you and if you and I go in a ring, it's over. Oh my goodness! Yeah. In the filming of the Rocky Balboa movie mm-hmm. back in uh, 2006, I think it was when that one came out. ESPN kind of promotes that sparring session mm-hmm. with Mason Dixon, but he was a real boxer. Oh, okay. And in the in the practice of it, Stallone had told him 
I I want to go toe to toe. Like I want us to actually hit each other so that we can, so that it looks real. Mm-hmm. And he said, obviously, don't let's not go into it. But he right. said, in that last round where they are just exchanging blows, mm-hmm. they're really hitting each other. So Stallone hit Antonio Tarver, who mm-hmm. was playing Mason Dixon. He hit him too hard in in that filming. So Tarver, he cranked him. He rung his bell. And that's why like when, when Stallone goes down, he said he was actually dazed. And he was he really going down? that hard. Wow. wow. Um, but uh, uh, I love the character, uh, Rocky Balboa, that Stallone plays. I think it kind of works into Muhammad Ali's version of Rope-A-Dope mm-hmm. uh, into, uh, into what I had kind of, I had come across uh, a theologian in my first year of studies who had said there are there are one or two ways that you can win a boxing match. Mm-hmm. The first way is to just annihilate your opponent, is to just go in there kind of like Mike Tyson style, just go in and just tear him up uh, and just beat your opponent to the, to, you know, to the ground. The other way is to just go the distance and just take everything that your opponent has and then at the end overcome them. Sure. Yeah. Well, you know, did you ever see Cinderella Man? That's what you reminded oh, me of. Oh man, I love Cinderella Man. I didn't realize I like boxing as much until we started this conversation. I love that movie. But, Russell Crowe does a great job in that movie. But that's the key to it because he was studying that film, you know, and he he knew that if he if he stayed if he tried to fight back right away, he was going to get knocked out. Yeah, and I've heard interviews from Sylvester Stallone, who talks about how the Rocky Balboa character is a Christ-like figure. Hmm. And, he, and it, it all, for him, it all starts in that opening scene when he's fighting Spider, Spider Rico mm-hmm. in the opening scene of the original Rocky movie. They're in the, the gym of, of a Catholic church of Sacred Heart. And oh, that's true, right. The, you know, as Rocky is winning, they're panning to the painting yeah. of Christ on the wall. And it gives us a great, Stallone gives us a great image of of how he wants to interpret Christ, uh, the figure of Christ, and the and the the savior Christ in the story of Rocky Balboa of of, of how he was able to endure and take so much punishment and hmm. still overcome. That's fascinating. I've never heard that before. I've heard Christian connections to other movies, but not to that one. Now you're immediately in my mind, helping me jump to Rocky too, where he takes it and takes it. Cause remember there was that whole left-handed thing. Rocky was a Southpaw right, and he right. was and his trainer was holding him back right. and he was just taking it and taking it. Yeah. I, I mean, and, and like, as you watch that film for like the first or second time you watch it, you're like, come on, man, get a shot in. But Apollo right. Creed is like rocking him. You know, I went to see that movie in, in a movie theater, and you could not hear the commentary. You couldn't hear the movie during that last fight scene. It was as if the crowd was at a real fight. It was chilling. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I distinctly the, remember it. I love, I love, the, I love those movies. Yeah. Uh, but I think, I think in terms of the week that we're encountering mm-hmm. uh, in Holy Week, especially just to kind of speak about Palm Sunday, it, we, we are encountering our Lord in a rescue mission mm-hmm. that our Lord is this fighter that is going to absorb all of the punishment of the enemy of sin and death to win and claim victory for you and I. I come across this quote from Helen Keller. She says, 
although the world is full of suffering, it is also full of, uh, full of the overcoming of it. And when we, when we encounter this world of suffering, when we, when we look at, at and, and place it in the context of this, this week of our Lord's passion, as Christians, we see him coming face to face with the totality of human suffering, of all of all of the suffering from beginning to end of of the existence of humanity. And he is toe to toe in the ring, so to speak, with this great enemy. Yeah, I could I could certainly see that connection. I wonder if we will look at the the passion starting on Sunday with Palm Sunday a little bit differently this year, particularly here in the first world. Mm. Well, and, and we know it because we deal with it every day um, in, in our jobs. There's, there's suffering going on in, in some physical ways and food insecurity. Um, uh, in, I forget, in non-pandemic times, I'm talking about just, just normally. We see it all the time. But compared to other parts of the world, you know, suffering for some people around here would be, you know, the Wi-Fi's out. You know, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's 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 very different. And I think one of the things that the virus has done is brought that equal sharing of the suffering um, home to us. And and you kept using that word enduring and enduring and enduring. And uh, yeah, there's been a lot of a uh, a lot of enduring. And, and very much mm-hmm. calling us to be that Christ-like figure to endure it. And, you know, some days are better than others with that. Yeah. And, you know, if, if, if we get the, the chance to just, and look, I know that obviously, you know, we're, we're, I'm just trying to put a visual here to sure. this, this, great, this great drama, which, which is the, the Lord's passion, his suffering and mm-hmm. death and resurrection. But when we kind of journey and see what is happening here, our Lord is, he's kind of coming to the ring. He's going into Jerusalem um, where he knows what he's going to have to endure. The people on Palms, you know, this particular, on this Sunday, are unaware of that. And, and I think his followers are as well. Right. Yeah. But I think it's very clear to him because he knew the politics and, and he knew Passover was not a time to go and, you know, make hay. Yes, and annoy people because yeah. bad things happen. Yeah, and and one of the things I would want to focus on is that, okay, because we understand that in the Old Testament, there were, and we have talked about it on this podcast, there were two different ways of viewing the Messiah, mm-hmm. the messianic figure yeah. in the Old Testament. This one who would ride in on a horse and raise up the people against Rome, they were and children of King David. Ch- yeah. They were waiting for that David. type of figure. They were waiting for the kingdom to be reunited and the and the this great dynasty uh, to to just emerge in the messianic age with this warlike figure. Yeah. And but in Isaiah there is this other uh messianic figure that was not accepted as the I guess you could say the major role of what a messiah would be and that would be the suffering servant mm-hmm. the person that would be hard to look at right yeah we want to we want right. to take our eyes away from him right right uh there was uh if if uh we have talked about this a number of times on 
that uh, beautiful series, uh, The Chosen. And and my friends, if if you have not watched it at this point, I would ask you to please just download it and and just watch it. Hey, a little Chosen news. What? Season two starts Easter Sunday. Did you know that? Oh, I didn't. Yeah, I just learned it yesterday. Really? Yeah. Okay, I'm, I'm so kind of pumped. Just another plug for it. It is a, a a TV series that this group of people are putting together on the life of Christ. Yeah. It is the first time that this has ever kind of come about. It, it's the first in its existence. So appealing, so representative of who we believe Christ was. Yeah. The director is Catholic, mm -hmm. but he brings in Jewish rabbis, Catholic priests, evangelicals, evangelicals to, to really make sure that the interpretation of, of Christ that he is depicting on the screen is accurate. Yeah. And the acting is well done. Everything. The backstory is they write in a little bit, so yeah, the creative license that they take with it, is but it really it good. fills it out a little bit. the The historical accuracies of the way people lived and what they ate, how their houses looked, yeah, it's spot on. And so when we come in, like in 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 the first season, in episode three, you come in contact with with Jesus, and his first encounter with people, at least in this storyline that they have constructed is with children before he mm -hmm. meets the apostles. Yeah. And how goofy and funny he right, is. Right, right, right. And he's teaching them how to work with him and make things, and he's singing the psalms with them. And he brushes his teeth. Did you ever think about he, Jesus brushing his teeth before? He brushes his teeth, yeah. I'm glad he did. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Makes me want to follow him more. <laughs> oh, but in, in, in his teaching of the, of the little kids who were just head over heels for him, he talks about that the Messiah will not be this figure that will ride in uh, on a on a glamorously looking horse, yep. you know, uh, victorious with an army, with an army, but rather the Messiah will come in on a very humble, modest donkey. Yeah, and you know we could understand that because we've had two thousand years of of Jesus. Yeah, but how how altering that had to be to the the Jewish mindset. Yeah, you know, at, at the time. It is a really interesting uh, thing to to try to put yourself in Jerusalem at, at that time as as they're walking in with Jesus being the only one who really knows how this is going to end, even though he's told them, but I think it's very, very hard yeah. you know, for them to understand. And, and going back to the theme you were talking about for endurance, knowing what he was going to, to have to endure. But it, it really begins our story. It's the Christian story of the turning reality on its head and, and, and finding the beauty and the hope and the love when you turn reality on its head, not the way, certainly not the way what society would think of it uh, today. Jesus, by doing this, I think, gives credence to all he had spoken about when he talks about going to the outcast, going to the marginalized. See, I, I don't think it would have worked if he was going to say those all say those things, minister to those people, and then come in like somebody from one of the Marvel characters and yeah. annihilate everybody, <laughs> right? right. I, there would have been like we said, well, that's interesting. But like, what do you do with that? Yeah. But I but I think because of the way he he first of all enters Jerusalem, but but as importantly as the week goes on 
and he, he succumbs to the Romans and, and to the Jewish hierarchy at the time, he speaks to those people. Right before we were recording tonight, a friend and I were listening to a podcast by Father Greg Boyle. So if you're not familiar with him, he's a Jesuit priest in Los Angeles that has done amazing work with gang members. They have something called Homeboy Industries, and this guy has count, uh, saved countless lives. And listening to him speak, I could have listened to him speak uh, forever. But, but he, said, he said this, and I just want to read it to you. He said, we do not go to the margins to make them different. We look to them to make us different. We don't go mm-hmm. to the margins, to those on the outside, to make them different. We look to them to make us different. And I and like when you when I heard those words, I'm like, yes, that's what a, what a gift that is. I'm not imposing my will on them, on anybody. Mm-hmm. And I think when we when we look at Holy Week, it, it it starts to make sense. I'm not even sure I'm saying it clearly. I, I think I know what I want to say. But what a gift to be to be able to to say that and believe it. Yeah. Uh, I think one of the things that um, that that you had said there before uh, about you know Jesus kind of turns uh, everything up on its head. You, the real the real beautiful theme about Palm Sunday is is the humility that our Lord um, exudes, uh, which is the greatest gift mm-hmm. uh, of 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 his. Uh, of his presence specifically during this week you know for the greeks the the greeks understood the ancient greeks understood that their understanding of humility was that it was the the source of all weakness i didn't know that that out of out of all the virtues that humility was they didn't even want to possess it because it showed all utter weakness interesting yeah and powerlessness, and that was not that was not seen as uh, fashionable in in the Greek okay. culture. But our Lord s- sees humility as the greatest of all the virtues. Yeah, of, of all the virtues of uh, you know of, of like the virtues flow from humility because it it makes you want to seek more. It, it the, for the people who uh, have that humility, you you want to be around them more. You want to know what they're doing, how they're living, how I can be like that. Yeah, you know, yeah. you had arranged for some really fantastic priests to come into our school this week to hear reconciliation for our students, yeah, and and some of these men I've I've known before, but really I've had more of an opportunity between periods to to talk to them and just having wonderful conversations, but but really struck by by how much humility they do have, mm-hmm. you know, they would sit there all day and say, "Can we get you anything?" No, I'm fine. You know, get, maybe some water. You know. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, that. It, it's that kind of humility that that people are really drawn to. Yeah, uh, yeah. It, like I said before, it makes you want more. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and my friends, I think if if we could understand this week, in the, in the sense that you know the great right hook, I guess you mm-hmm. could say the spiritual right hook that as Jesus, the messianic fighter, in this in this fight against sin and death, is that right hook is is humility. And when we see him processing in, it's it, it is said in the scriptures that uh, <clears throat> people started laying down palm branches for him, claiming him to be the Messiah, uh, the messianic figure as he is walking in, as he is, you know, carried in by on that donkey into Jerusalem. 
this this Sunday we're all going to receive palms, uh, palm branches, and in in unity with our Lord, you know I know it's it's so much fun, uh, especially if the priest has a boring homily to be able to construct oh yeah uh, you know little crosses or little designs out of the palm branches. It was a long homily; you can make like a hut. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, right. But what I would what I would ask, and and maybe even challenge and encourage, is when when you see those palm branches, when you have it in your hand at mass this Sunday, to to just visualize or symbolically look at that palm branch as what is it that we need in our lives to humbly submit to the Lord. Uh, there was a path that was made for our Lord to humbly process into Jerusalem. And what are the things that we have to really acknowledge within ourselves and be humbled in the presence of the Lord that we can make that same journey and follow behind him in this great journey mm-hmm. we, we call life and, and, and the spiritual journey of salvation. What does that palm branch symbolize for you and I in our life? What is it that we have to lay down that our Lord has to step over? You know, and, Yeah, it's a good way to put it. The appeal of, of reconciliation this week, I think, helps that. Definitely. You know, what, what am I putting in place of God? What am, what, what am I choosing uh, to be in place of God? Or, or what am I not choosing of right. God? You know, yeah. like a sin of omission in, in that sense. The thing I keep coming back to is, is the, the, the transformation of life that starts here. The transformation of reality and, and how we look at life differently, like I, like I was saying before. Did you ever see the movie Mission with uh, Jeremy Irons and uh, Robert De Niro? It was a very long time ago. I think it came out in 87, so yeah. it, it, it was out for a while. I have to tell you a funny story about this movie. <laughs> I was it's in, a very serious movie. What's that? It's a very serious movie. Yeah, but it was, it was, it was a very odd thing that happened. I went to see the movie in um, early 1987, I believe. Now, this is a long time ago, so please forgive me if I'm messing up dates, right? So I was a senior in college. It was a college seminary. I pretty much decided I was not going to go to the major seminary. You know, mm-hmm. I wanted to do something else with my life. So I, while I'm deciding this, I went to see the movie, which th- those two things weren't related. And uh, it was so beautifully filmed. It's filmed down in Brazil, Paraguay, Uruguay. Mm. And, and I said, wow, that is gorgeous. I would love to see that someday. You know, and in, in a second, I'll tell you what the movie's about. So in high school, so a few years before, I had played with an orchestra. And around the summer, we would go around the world touring. So we'd been to South Pacific, to Africa, I think to Europe, and a whole bunch of places. And it was a lot of fun. Wait, you were that good? Uh, what did you play? I, I still am, by the way. <laughs> what did you play? Well, at that time, I played tuba. Oh. Yeah. Do it's, you own a tuba? I do, actually. Yes, it's it's up in the attic. I don't play it often anymore. How much dust is on this thing? Well, it's in a case. <laughs> the tuba, there's generally one per orchestra, and it was good to be friends with the tuba player because the case was so big, everybody else could put their souvenirs in it. So <laughs> at, by the time I got back to the U.S., it was really heavy. A lot of stuff wasn't mine. So anyway, I realized I had really nothing to do for the summer. So this is back to 1987. I called the conductor and I said, do you have a tuba player this year? He goes, no, actually, I need one. And I said, sign me up. I, w- I was going to give myself a graduation present. And I followed <laughs> up with the question of where are you going this summer? He goes, South America. I said, oh, man, I just saw a movie about South America. That'll be awesome. 
So anyway, I plan on going, and we're going to rehearsals, and we get the itinerary. The itinerary, we stayed in the town where the, where the movie was filmed. Really? Oh, my gosh. It was incredible. Iguazu Falls in Brazil. Wow. It was, it was phenomenal. That's and I, I was area. staying in someone's house. We used to stay in houses. And I, um, the, the, the music from the mission is a Nino Morricone, which he does a lot of movies. You would probably recognize it if you heard it. And I'm like playing a Nino Morricone on the piano in the town. I was like. That's uh, awesome. I was living a charmed life. Oh my gosh! That was that was like, who goes to a movie and then a few months later you're at the place and you don't even realize you're going there. Yeah, that's yeah. cool. <laughs> that's pretty. That's you pretty want fun. to tell everybody what the mission movie is all about? Do we want to get to that? <laughs> like before it's Easter. <laughs> so to be continued. It's the it's the settlement of of the Jesuit missions in South America, um, and and it's really the Jesuits battle with the the colonists, the Portuguese and and the Spanish, who are are really um, taking slaves, and Jeremy Irons is the very devout Jesuit. And the, the character played by Robert Nero is really interesting. And this is a very cool scene. He's a slave trader, and his life has gone askew, so he wants to repent and actually become a Jesuit. They have this incredible scene, Father Dave, where the Jesuits, to make him repent, they make him climb up the waterfall. All his armor from his fighting days is in a net that he has to carry up. Oof. And it, it's grueling. It's beautifully filmed. And it, but it's absolutely grueling, you know, to watch him do that. And he gets to the top, and um, the uh, the the natives that are there, the ones he had he had taken, the family members of the ones that he had taken, the Guarani, I think, were the natives. They're up there, and they're waiting for him. And and he kneels down because he thinks they're going to chop off his head. And the guy takes out a sword, he cuts the net off, and now he's free. It's like symbolically free from the mm. sins. So I, I will tell that that story is an it's just so beautifully filmed. I'd love for you to go and watch it. But where it, this relates to the, the conversation we've been having about how it tur- well, first of all, that turns the world on its ear. That's a you know crazy thing. We just forgive sins and people get on. You know, yeah, um, it's yeah, a right. Beautiful thing in and of itself. But there's a scene at the end of of a Eucharistic procession amidst the battle, and I don't want to give too much away in case you were going to watch it. But they're they're walking into gunfire with with the Eucharist, and and without the the what we're going to see in Holy Week without the turning of reality on its ear, that makes no sense. And somebody will get shot, and the next person picks up the, the Eucharist and walks with it. Mm. It's absolutely gorgeous, and it's chilling. It makes me think, all right, if I'm in that position, am I doing that? And, you know, i got to be honest, probably not. You know, yeah. I, I want to say I would. But to even be able to have that conversation and begin to make sense of it, begin to say, I can see why they would do that, all starts this week. Yeah. You know, and, 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 and getting back to the original point with the beating that he endured. I, I keep going back to the word you said, endured. Yeah, yeah. Because you know, we wouldn't be able to look at that. Otherwise, we would look at that scene and say, well, that's just stupid. Yeah, Why are they just getting shot for? Why don't they just put the thing down? <laughs> yeah, you know? right, right. And, it, and, and, I, and I think that when we, when we look at the, the level of endurance and his, and his humility, of the, the humility of our Lord this week, it is the it is the foundational template for you and I that our life cannot be just I've been baptized or as our evangelical brothers will say I've been I've been saved mm-hmm. you know I believe in Jesus Christ I've been saved well yeah that's a daily commitment yeah there's a lot of endurance mm-hmm. spiritual endurance that that takes in this journey in this battle that yep. we that you and I undergo and the only way 
that you and I can do it is through the passion, blood, body, and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ in Holy Communion to be able to endure and, and still hold on to our faith, to be able to cling to him. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's only through him, with him, and in him that we can continue to endure mm-hmm. the battle uh, of holiness, the battle for sanctification, the yeah. battle for eternal life. It's only through his power that we can do that. We would really want to wish everybody a very, very um, beautiful, powerful Holy Week. Hopefully yeah. your lives are starting to get back a little bit to normal, maybe a little more normal than they were. At least we have Holy Week services this year. Yeah, that's you know? nice. Yeah, last year, you know, we didn't. So let's, you know, give thanks for that. Yeah. That we could at least be together very and, 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 yeah, and very, remember very these things. And I d- we're going to wish everybody happy. We're not going to be talking to anybody before Easter, right? No, 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 no. So okay. everybody have a beautiful Palm Sunday, a beautiful Holy Week, a beautiful Easter. And we'll pick up uh, after that at some point. Baseball season will have started. Yes. So we'll have plenty to talk about. Yes. And remember... Nobody cares about hockey. (laughs) God bless everyone. Take care. If you'd like to contact Father Dave or me, please follow us on Facebook at Locusts and Wild Honey. We appreciate your comments on all platforms, including Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts. Please tell us what you think and share with your friends.